the average investor is going to be looking at these projects, probably going to be putting in like a couple hundred bucks, and they're probably just going to leave it in there. So the average person that's buying it is going to buy their mistake, and they're not really going to interact with the sell tax too much. These type of tokenomics with the sell tax are really more for like these swing traders or whales. As we all know, the Olympus DAO style model is coming under pressure. We sit down with the founders of Midas DAO to discuss the pros and cons of what they've built in the version 2 of their contract. We look forward to the future and what their plans are for Midas DAO. And if you stick around to the end, we tease about ways that ReFi and Midas DAO will be partnering in the future. Enjoy the pod. So today we've got Penn from Midas DAO. Penn, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about who you are and how you fit in with the Midas DAO project? Hey guys, my name's Penn or Crypto Penn from Twitter. I was originally just a uh, advisor for the Midas DAO project, but as is kind of common in, in projects that I've become team members in, I was doing a little bit more than just advisors do. So the team kind of brought me on to basically run most of the marketing stuff and then kind of just community management. Nice. And I love that, right? Because if I think about VeFi's community and, and our head team, a lot of the people that were in the head team were just there on day one. And they were early, they were part of the community, they were giving ideas, and suddenly they're part of a 100 million market cap project. So I do love that idea of just how meritocratic crypto is. It's not just you and your buddies, it's people that really, really want to add value to a project that get brought into the inner circle. So well done, oh, yeah, well done yeah. for you. <laughs> You, you can't like replace that stuff too, because like, I know you've probably seen like, you know, paid marketing groups or stuff like that, or not marketing groups, but like paid moderator groups. Like most of the mods that we have on the project are people that have just been there from like day one. They were in like version one, they've been there through version two, they really know their stuff. Yeah, it's really hard to replace that stuff. So I love the, you know, the people that like come up from the ground up basically that are just kind of there and end up putting in more work than like, you know, just that average investor. I love that stuff. Yeah, it's it's so much fun to be an investor and a team member at the same time. You really, <laughs> it really shifts the paradigm. Because if you buy, let's say you buy Apple stock today, right? You buy Apple stock, nobody cares who you are. Nobody's going to listen to your voice. Whereas here, <laughs> yeah. here, you can join the Midas DAO Discord and immediately you're speaking to the founders, right? The guys are there. You can DM them. They're in the chats. It's just a completely new way of doing business. And I love it. I'm here for it. It is, man. I, yeah, I love it too. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> so you're the marketing guy. Tell us a bit more about the team of, of Midas DAO. How many people are on the team? Yeah, so currently we have a 13-member team of Midas DAO. And I kind of went over this a little bit last night in the Discord that right now having a team this size it gives us the opportunity to kind of do multiple things at once instead of just doing one thing. So just to kind of do a brief like rundown, if you're part of the community and like you've been in the Discord and stuff, you see Golden Boy, he's our lead dev. And then we have Jin and Oryx, who are the other two devs that kind of assist him with stuff. So of the 13 members, three of them are devs that are like kind of in charge of building the new tech and stuff and keeping up with the maintenance for Minus Dow. Then aside from that, we have mainly a bunch of like marketing guys and like networking. So like the marketing agency that we went through, we connected with them through one of the other guys on the team. 
And then we have like another guy on the team who's kind of helping us. And I can't, I can't get too much into it. But he's kind of helping us with like uh, some like legal and like regulatory stuff. So yeah, we have a pretty like diverse group of people. We all kind of, I mean, I'm literally talking to these guys every single day. Everybody's super involved. I've, I've been a part of like a, a lot of teams before. Like I've sat in the, the Floki chat, for instance. And I've always, I mean, you can see my Twitter and stuff. I've always considered the Floki team like the best team I've ever seen work. Mm. I mean, it takes a lot to go from a version three relaunch, 30 million market cap to 3.5 billion. Like you, you look at teams like that and you're like, holy, holy shit. Am I allowed to cuss, by the way? Is that cool? Yeah, man. Why not? Well, I'll, okay. just I'll just put it <laughs> I'll put an explicit rating on this one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I just, I just want to make sure. Um, so, We're like, I, I, look down at, the line. <laughs> <laughs> I look at, I look at stuff like uh, Floki. I look at that team, and I'm like, man, these guys are killing it. I got to see that like firsthand, and I think a lot of people in the space would consider Floki like one of the best teams they've seen. Being on Midas now, being a part of the team, and like actually seeing them is one of the best run units that I've ever seen. I mean, everybody is really in it. Everybody's, we're constantly in contact with each other. So even though, you know, 13 people's a lot, everybody kind of plays their role and plays it really well. And it really helps us a lot, especially with having three devs too, who are really talented. That really helps us out quite a bit. So some of the guys are like front facing, like Golden Boy, Jin, Oryx, myself. Some of the other guys are more behind the scenes and don't really uh, interact too much with the community. But for the most part, the most active members in the community are kind of the guys that named. Nice. And so you were early into the project, Penn, but do you know the genesis of the, the project and how they and why they decided to do it? Yeah. So it was originally actually going to be on Phantom. The initial plan was to do this Midas style on Phantom. I had just been coming off a project that I had kind of like given the idea to and helped create, which was called Brainiac, but I had an issue with the, a little bit of like a falling out with the team. So I left that one and I burned all my team tokens. So I'd been kind of looking to do like another type of Olympus style or time fork. So the dev, Golden Boy, I've actually worked with him before back in like early early 2021 back when like binance smart chain was just like coming up he was one of the you know back in those days it was just rug city dude it, everything was <laughs> everything was a rug man so the second you found like a legit dev you'd like remember that you'd like stick to that guy so golden boy had done a project that was legit he was putting in a ton of work in it and i was like okay let me keep this guy let me keep this in contact with this guy just like touch touch base with him kind of throughout the year and then he had hit me up that he was he was trying to do like a time fork he wanted to do like a time fork on phantom so we decided myself and, and peaceful who's another like member of the team we had eventually convinced him no actually let's do let's do avax instead let's do avax see how that one goes uh, so originally it was supposed to just be on phantom and then once he brought me on um, as an advisor, I suggested like a bunch of other people to add on as like a team member. So like I knew Oryx beforehand, unrelated. I knew a couple of the other guys on the team, unrelated. So I kind of helped get them into the team to kind of fill various roles. So originally it was supposed to be on Phantom, but we ended up doing it on AVAX. And we wanted to kind of, we knew that like 
the time model, the Olympus style model was kind of running out of steam a little bit, but we wanted to be able to capture that like hype. And because I was in MCC, multi-chain capital, I really liked the idea of that. So I wanted to be able to like implement that in a way that would make sense for like the time tokenomics. So that's why we kind of came together and kind of mesh a couple different things together. And that's basically how you got like minus out version one. That's awesome. And it's really nice for our audience to get an insight into how these projects come about, because like you said, you've known some of these people for a long time and they, I assume know of each other as well, given the dev community speaks and knows each other quite well. And it's just nice for people to understand that this isn't just two guys in a pub that come up with an idea. It's, <laughs> it's something that's been cooking for, for a long time. And, and the reason to yeah. do it makes makes a lot of sense to merge the best of the fast model, farming as a service, and then the Olympus DAO model as well, which makes you guys, guys unique. So from my perspective, I was an investor on a personal level in V1, also an investor from ReFi. And we were very, very happy with Midas DAO. We went up to kind of a bit of a meme but we went up to 420 on on the price action <laughs> and yeah. everybody everybody was happy right what yeah. happened in v1 yeah so man v1 basically i think kind of what happened with v1 is we kind of in a sense we kind of exposed the issue with the time tokenomics model and it was kind of two things really so i think the time tokenomics model itself lends itself really well to swing trading. And swing trading is just really viable on a project like that because there's no token tax. You can load in through Mint and you can sell pretty big or you can just swing trade it, you know, like an hour timeline or something. I mean, we had guys that were swing trading it like crazy. The biggest issue with that and why we kind of saw that as a major issue was because we got we got caught up in the DGEN APY race that kind of took over the time fork. So we had projects like Jade Protocol, GG, iStyle, like all these other DAOs started getting really competitive with their APY. So at a time, you know, Midas DAO had the highest APY. And yeah, like you're saying, it was it was great, man. I mean, we got up to $500 a token, but a lot of that volume and a lot of that buy pressure was because we had this I mean, it was too many commas. I don't even know what it, it was above quadrillion. That's all I know. It didn't fit on the screen. I just remember. Yeah. (laughs) It was too, it was too high. So it was fun for like, you know, I think it was really, we had like about a solid almost week of just a shitload of fun, dude. It was a party, but it wasn't sustainable. It just was not sustainable. And then when you couple that with the fact that you had so many people on any pump that would be swing trading the small pumps, it just lended itself really poorly to long-term sustainability. So then what you have happened with version one is we get this massive retrace. We get this massive retrace from $400 down to $200. We kind of stabilized there for a little bit. That's why, I mean, that's why me personally, at 200, I thought we had maybe found the bottom. That's why I had put like 200,000 of my own money back into the protocol. I, I'd made a tweet about it and stuff. We saw that as well, yeah. Yeah, so I went to sleep and woke up and the next day was at $70. So we ended up bottoming out around like 10 or $11. But we kind of figured out as a team, okay, 
We know the DJ and APY theme. We can't do that again. We can't get into another DJ and APY race because no, every you can be a winner for a little bit, but at the end of the day, everybody's going to be a loser when they try and do that. Because you see that every single person that, or not every single person, every single project that chased that DJ and APY all cratered. It wasn't just us. We we tanked, Jade tanked, Gigi tanked, Ice Out tanked, all these other projects that tried to do this DJ and APY all went, all got nuked into the ground. Now, there was some questions about whether there was like a whale group that was kind of investing in all these and swing trading. I think that that definitely played a part in it because we were noticed, we were watching some, some huge wallets that would exit all these other DAOs at the same time. But I think that was just part of the problem. I think the main issue was the fact that it was just, it was DJ and APY, man. So with version one, we kind of came to the point where we were like, okay, we need to do some type of version two. We need to do some type of relaunch because like right now, the way the price is going, it's just, it's not going to be, it's not going to be attractive for somebody like trying to get in to the project right now. Can I I just chime in there? So DJ and APY, so, so what people were doing is they were collecting the rebase. Let's say they were earning a few percent every eight hours, collecting that and then dumping the token. Yeah, basically, yeah. So that's what essentially they would be doing. Or because we had really high mint discounts too. I mean, at one point our mint discounts were like yeah, 110% at like, that's just too much, man. Yeah, You really shouldn't have mint, mint discounts above like 20%, honestly. But so it, it was a bit of an issue. So we realized that it was going to be really hard to attract new investors on version one, given the chart. The other thing too is that we had just gotten just murdered by swing traders. The swing traders were were a big problem with Midas Dow version one. So the team, we all kind of came together and this is kind of around the point. I think actually my first mem- my first post in like the announcements uh, tab of Midas Dow was as a team member was the version two. So we'd kind of come together as a team, figured out, okay, we need to do this relaunch. What we need to do for sure is have a tax, some type of tax, because it'll eliminate these really egregious swing traders. Ideally, with this type of project, you want to have the average investor buy in, stake it, and then sit for X amount of time and then take profits from the staking. Because really, these are supposed to be almost like passive income type plays. Instead, what version one had was people would buy in hold it for like 10, 15 minutes, and then just sell it. They would never even touch the protocol. They would never touch the DAP. They wouldn't touch the website. They would just swing trade it, essentially. Or then if people would go stake, they'd stake for maybe a rebase and then pull the entire amount out and dump it. That's Mm -hmm. what we saw on pretty much the whole downtrend of version one. So we, we figured that, okay, we need to have a way to incentivize people to do kind of what you're supposed to do in this type of project. You're supposed to buy and stake it and stake it for a long term and kind of just take out passive income over time until it comes to a point where you, you know, if you want to exit your position, exit it. But we didn't want that type of swing trading. So we figured having some type of token tax would make the most sense. So that's kind of why we came up with the version two mainly was because if we still had people swing trading, we at least wanted to be able to replenish our treasury. We wanted to be able to at least get some more ammo from the treasury to be able to do stuff. 
that's why that we have the the sell tax essentially on time on the time tokenomics, and we hadn't seen any other time type of token, any of these other rebase DAOs doing buy or sell tax. It so makes a lot. Two, go ahead. No, and it makes a lot of sense to have those taxes to incentivize people to hold. I mean, we've seen that with the refi token, for example, the taxes in and out are a round trip of over twenty percent. So it really encourages people to be with us for the long term. And yeah, and it makes perfect sense to combine that with the time tokenomics as well. So just to recap, what are those taxes now in, in V2? So right now the taxes in V2 are like a, a scaling tax plan currently. So originally, like when we had first been looking at doing the tax, it was just going to be like a flat, uh, like a flat, basically I'm trying to think of how to say this. We had basically just a flat total amount of 12%. It was going to be 6% on the buys, and then it was going to be 6% on the sells. We figured that would probably make the most sense at the time. But we basically, the further we got into it, we realized that it didn't really make any sense to have that high of a buy tax. So currently how it's working is we have basically a scaling tax on the sells. So right now, the tax, I believe, is 16% right now, but like 80 to $120 price range would put it to 14%. 120 to $160 would put it at a 12%. So basically, the higher the price goes up, the lower the tax goes on sales. And right now, below $100, there's a 1% buy tax. So we really lowered the essentially like the barrier to entry with the buy tax and lowered it to 1%. Whereas pretty much we still get the entire cumulative amount basically of that 12%. It's just now most of it is on the sell portion of it. It's so like right now, I think I said it's at like 14% or I think 16% right now. Mm-hmm. So as the price rises, the sell tax will get lower and lower. And the taxes, do they go back to holders or do they go to the treasury of Midas Dow? They go back to the treasury of Midas Dow. So that's kind of like we had our main focus is we had wanted that to go back into the treasury so that we have always, you know, even when people are selling, we have a way to replenish the treasury. And that was kind of with the version two, when we were like looking at how we wanted to do things and kind of why we did things a little bit differently is it's almost all built around building up this treasury, just constantly replenishing this treasury. Because as you see with the, with the, the fast model, these type of projects can sustain really well without actual token volume. Like you don't you don't need a ton of token volume on the refi token itself to still make a good amount of money in it because you guys have a treasury that's working. Correct, yeah, exactly. So we had really wanted to do that and just like bump that up to the next level, essentially where almost everything in this protocol that we're doing is in some way favorable to our treasury. And that's kind of how we, you know, like when, when we're looking at how we do the fast portion of Midas DAO, instead of like reflections being given back to the holders or being sent back to the holders, any profits that we have from our treasury investments will just go directly into buying the tokens back itself. So it's either in some way helping the Midas DAO treasury or helping the token itself price-wise. So now you're in the territory where I get really excited. So 
How big is the treasury at the moment and what's the plan to, to optimize the yield on that? I think right now the treasury, I'd have to check to see where it's at. But right now the treasury, I think is over like four or five million off the check. I know we have like some of it in investments, right? Actually, I'm sorry. I think it's over. No, it's right about four or five million because we have a, a big chunk of investment in time right now, the actual time token itself. Our main thing that we're looking to kind of maximize treasury investments, and you guys probably saw it too, like like we had talked about before we before we even started the podcast, one of the best ways to guarantee you're getting like a 10 to 20x is getting in pre-sales for these type of like projects like Dream, for instance. When you can get stuff like that for a treasury, it's it's just, it makes it so much easier to make really big gains on stuff like that. And because we have a really large team of 13 people, kind of like I, I mentioned earlier, a lot of these guys have really strong connections. A lot of the investments that we have coming into the future for projects that we're in talks with are going to be really favorable deals for the Midas Dow Treasury. They're going to be either some type of early access, some type of private sale. You know, you're kind of looking at these almost as like no lose situations. The difficulty with these usually is, is that they're not they're not going to let us just dump three million dollars into a private sale. No, we're going to have to we're going to have to have a lot of different investments, and that's kind of the strategy we're going with right now. Is since we can't like I think the dream one for instance, hundred fifty thousand dollars is what we put into that. When we're looking at these other pre-sales and already in like talks with some of these other guys. That's kind of like the limit that we're seeing that they're comfortable giving us with because that's a pretty big chunk of tokens. That's a pretty big chunk right there. So kind of our strategy is at this point, let's leverage our network. Let's leverage the alpha we get on stuff and just pepper a bunch of different investments in like really favorable private sales situations so that, okay, we can't do three million all into one project. What if we have 10 projects that are doing really well that we have 100,000 in each I mean, that's a pretty big win. I, I, I think that'd be a pretty big win for any project. Yeah. So if, if I'm an investor then in, in Crown, in Midas DAO, I'm getting a couple of things. I'm getting the Ohm style tokenomics or the time Wonderland time style tokenomics, which can end up being, you know, a, a rebase every eight hours, every five days. I'm making, let's say, 10%. I'm getting this incentivized tax structure where people are incentivized to stake and to, to not sell. And then on top of that, you guys are opening up your network, which obviously when you run a treasury of four to five million, which is about the numbers that Refi's holding now, you get access to all this alpha because suddenly people want to be associated with you and your projects, especially if there's a nice fit. So that makes a ton of sense for an investor that going into Midas DAO combines those three benefits where the average retail investor, and, and you know this, Penn, a lot of people yeah. come into our projects with 50 bucks or 100 bucks or, or whatever it might be. And suddenly they're getting the potential to 510x where they otherwise would not be privy to these conversations and these deals. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that is kind of the, the average investor. Usually when you think about it, it's kind of going to be like that retail person that's just going in. It's, it's kind of like the, the tax really, in a sense, isn't, isn't really preventive to the average investor. Because like you're right, the average investor is going to be looking at these projects probably going to be putting in like a couple hundred bucks and they're probably just going to leave it in there. So the average person that's buying it is going to buy, they're going to stake and they're not really going to interact with the sell tax too much. These type of tokenomics with the sell tax 
are really more for like these swing traders or whales, essentially. I, I don't really believe in the term of like good whales or bad whales. I think just whales are whales. You more have to plan. You more have to plan against it and plan with it. I don't really think of you know a good. I don't really think like a such thing as a good or a bad whale exists. There's parts of it, you know. You just gotta plan for it, and that's essentially what the minus out version two tax is. It's essentially like our plan of dealing with that. So that like even on these kind of tougher retraces. We at least have value coming back to the project in some form. And what some of our listeners will be will be pleased to know is we're already in talks as to how refi might be able to help on that treasury side of things as well. So nothing confirmed and nothing promised, but there's definitely conversations going on on that regards. So moving away from treasury pen to your expertise, which is your network and, and marketing, how do you plan to scale version two, given it's pretty new and it's just launched? So yeah, we kind of have a couple things. We have a marketing agency we've been working with from version one that we were we were really pleased with. We saw a lot of positive movement and positive traffic from it. And additionally, with them, we've we've touched with them on a branding team too. So with version one, as you probably know, and, and most people probably know, but they don't like. It's not something that's that's usually articulated too much. But people buy narratives, okay? People buy narratives. They don't. It's it's we're not really at the point anymore where people are buying for new upstart like tech. They're usually buying because some some project has presented the best narrative. So with the marketing agency that we're using, Profit Commerce, which I believe you guys are using too, um, really solid guys. They've connected us with brand builders too to kind of help. Okay. Now that we have version one, we did the DJ and APY race. It, it didn't really work. How can we make version two go months into the future? How can we make version two minus out be here in March and April? How can we push this further? One of the biggest things that we've kind of talked about with these guys is we need to have a really compelling narrative. So we're working really closely with brand builders right now to kind of get a really strong narrative going for Midas Dow version two. And what would that narrative be? Essentially sustainability and this, this DeFi X that you're seeing us talk about pretty heavily, because we believe at this point that Midas Dow, because of all the different things we're doing, there isn't really, there isn't really any type of other project out there that kind of has the same tokenomic model that we do. You can have fast tokens and you can have rebased out tokens you're not really going to have them all kind of in one conglomerate, one like mesh together. Mm. That's kind of what we consider DeFi X at this point. And we think at some point we're going to start to see more projects like pop up that start to do these type of token taxes because it just makes sense for this. So yeah, really with the marketing agency type stuff, they help us with things like guerrilla tactics, like, you know, Telegram influencers, Twitter influencers, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. But the exciting part that I'm probably having the most fun working with them is let's this brand essentially that we're building, which we're really going to be putting around like DeFi X, kind of this idea that Midas Out is doing something unique that not a lot of other projects in this space are doing, or not hardly any projects in this space doing. And it really gives us a area to be able to kind of flush out what we're going to be building you know right now we have the current suite of things that we're doing 
but we have more products that we're going to be bringing into the Midas House suite. I know in the last AMA, one of the things we've talked about is essentially various staking pools to where you would stake your tokens for a locked amount of time for a set amount of APY. So maybe for the average person that's coming in with $200, maybe they want to sit in a pool for 300 for, or for 30 days. So this is the drone model was, that you were thinking of launching at the same time as V1? is Basically, kind of. So we... With the no- with the nodes model, I'm not we're not like the biggest fan of nodes. And it's unfortunate because the biggest nodes project, as you know, green rugged. So it's it's not exactly like the the best uh marketing angle to go with on nodes, but we do like the idea of let's have multiple pools essentially where you can stake for a locked period and get like a set amount of APY. So maybe like the APY is 30 million. Let's say if you decide to lock it in for 30 days and guys, these are just figures I'm throwing out. Nothing, nothing I'm saying right now is like set in stone basically. But like right now the APY is 30 million. Let's say we have a pool for 30 days that you stake it in and get like 150 million APY. For people that have like long-term faith in the project, those type of options would be really attractive to a lot of people. I know personally myself being able to do something like that, to throw all my tokens into a 30 day pool or like a 60 day or 90 day for me, that'd be easy. I mean, I'd do that, but you know, I also kind of know the behind the scenes stuff. So it's easy. It's easy for me to be really optimistic about stuff, but having those type of options um, are are really something that I think in terms of like a next product that we're going to be doing that's definitely the the road we're we're currently trying to go down right now. We're just working on some version two upkeep type stuff, but that is another facet that we're wanting to add to the kind of. And then I've kind of teased a little bit of this other thing that I'm currently working on, and I, I can't really go into too much detail about it. But I've I've said on Twitter I think it's gonna it's like a DeFi changing idea. I really truly believe that this project that myself and a couple of the other members are working on simultaneous with version, I really do think is going to be like a game changer for DeFi. I just, it's, it's such a unique idea, but these type of things take a lot of legal work, a lot of regulatory stuff that we have to go through first before we can even announce like anything on it. Well, I have to, I have to congratulate you, you guys as a, as an investor you know, we've seen the dark days of V1s of many, many different projects without without mentioning any names. And you guys had a very successful V2. And this DeFi X thing, I'm fully bought into the idea that there's a more innovative way of doing an ohm, ohm style um, fork. And, and you guys are really the innovators in that space. So congratulations to you for pulling together through what must have been a tough couple of weeks during winter when everybody's everybody's celebrating (laughs) Christmas with the family and and you guys were working incredibly hard to get the contract put together so kudos to you for that last question for me where do you see Midas DAO a year from now I know you've kind of teased at something that might be coming but what what would success look like success to me is going to be a multi-billion market cap token I truly believe that if the idea that we're currently uh, version two by itself I think is going to be successful. I think we can get back to that 100 million market cap range. I think we'll end up doing that just because the tokenomics model itself lends it really well for new people coming in. But if we're able to pull off this this other idea that we're currently working on that we've called our our flagship project, 
So we're going to be having a roadmap coming out here pretty soon, a new updated roadmap with an infographic. If we can pull off our flagship idea, because it's, it's going to take months of work. It's these type of things, really ambitious ideas, especially when you're talking about like legal people involved and like regulatory things. It's not a it's not a fast process. If we can get that done, if we can get to the point where, OK, we have a medium article coming out, we're announcing what it is that we're doing. People are able to see, holy shit, these guys really have stuff like set in stone that is actually happening. I think at that point, because I know what the idea is, I think at that point we we end up going somewhere into like the multi-billion market cap range. I'd like us at like five to 10 billion market cap because I, I can't, like I'm obviously I'm super bullish on it because I, everybody I've talked to on the team, even, you know, our, our marketing guys, I, I told Brad at Profit Commerce, everybody is kind of of the same mindset that, oh, holy shit, this is a big idea. I, nobody else is doing anything like this on any blockchain. If we can really pull it off, I think at that point we're, We'd, you'd be looking at us on like the top 100 coins at that point. And to me, that would be success. I mean, this is already the most successful project I've been on as a direct team member. But because I know the idea that we're pursuing and I know what we're trying to do, it would it'd just be a, an idea that would, uh, a type of thing that would change DeFi. I just can't see really any way around it. So if, if we can do it, if we pull it off, yeah, multi-billion market cap token, you're going to end up seeing quite a few of us having to docs for this. It's going to be a lot of traveling involved. But yeah, I think if we could do that, multi-billion market cap. If not, I'll, I'll come out and make an announcement because I've talked about this quite a bit. If we if we hit some type of legal hang-up, I would come out and be like, hey guys, this is what we were going to try and do, but we got hung up here. I would say that. So I still think we can end up in the 100 million market cap range multi-hundred million market cap range just off the strength of version 2 DeFi, especially if we get those time staking pools in, I think that'd be awesome. So either way, I'm really, you know, I'm really bullish on it. It's just if we can pull off our flagship idea, bro, that is just, that's a different level, man. That's just a different level. Yeah. And, and for me as an investor, it's one thing to look at the price action today and say the chart's done this or chart's done that. But Getting this sense of how committed the team is and seeing how you dug deep during V1 to V2 and all the innovations you've done, it really does seem like you've got one of the best teams in the industry. So I'm definitely going to remain invested for refi on that. For anyone who wants to find out a bit more, Penn, where can we go to find out a bit more about Midas Dell? Probably the, the best place to go would just be our website initially, which is just MidasDAO.org. If you go to minusdow.org, you can find pretty much all our links there, our Discord, our Twitter. I am the most outspoken member of the team. I do most of our communications, things like this, things like this podcast. I have a couple other things I'm going to be doing in the future. So if you want kind of just more of like a day-to-day type stuff, talk, hearing from a member. I mean, I talk to people all the time in the Discord, but you can, you can follow me on Twitter at crypto underscore and P-E-N-N. But yeah, those are probably, those would be probably the best places to go. I think our website has our medium on it. If not, I'll get that updated. But that's usually, if you're looking for like where we, where we put like our updates for stuff, it'd be medium.com slash Midas underscore down. Amazing. Well, I can definitely testify that the Discord is a party, like you said. So yeah. <laughs> jump over to the Discord get involved in, in any of the channels have a bit of fun and you might make some money in the meantime pen thank you so much for your time 
This podcast is hosted by Huff, the lead farmer at Reimagine Finance. Reimagine Finance is a farming as service provider available on the Ethereum network. Nothing in this podcast can be considered financial advice, and any money invested is purely at your own risk. Nothing in this podcast should be considered an invitation to invest, and listeners should seek independent advice. You can follow us on Twitter, Telegram, and Discord.